Great, thanks. Um, well, Happy New Year again to everybody. I hope everybody uh, is well, and um, maybe maybe we see the end in sight for uh, the pandemic. Um, I hope those of you who are who are able to get vaccinated can soon, and that we can all just get on with uh, get on with things. And speaking of getting on with things, um, I want to start out by discussing a um, very sensitive or as uh, as the the kids say problematic issue and that is the recent events in in washington the the uh, rioting protests which degenerated into rioting um and the response to them and i want to emphasize here that spme um doesn't take a stance politically about the results of the election, except that the results of the election are have been um, have been endorsed by by the Congress, and uh, they are the results. And furthermore, that um, no sort of violence, political or otherwise, can be can be supported. Uh, and uh, having said that, um, I want to just point out in how shall I say this, a, a gentle and sensitive fashion, that many of the, the uh, reactions to the political violence that we saw last week are um, sadly reminiscent and a, an ominous, uh, I think an ominous foreshadowing of uh, the cancellation and deplatforming culture that has become very much standard on campuses and in parts of the cultural sphere and now characterizes the political sphere and the nation broadly. Uh, we, we all live on campus. So in the aftermath of the, of the rioting last week, we saw a number of responses that, um, that I think have attempted to uh, cancel and, and deplatform political pol uh, large swaths of the uh, of the political environment in the United States and we can mention only a couple uh, for example the the removal of uh, this website parlor by um, Amazon web services uh, the calls for uh, to, to censor, uh, to remove uh, college degrees from people like uh, Ted Cruz and uh, the removal of a publishing contract to uh, from from Senator Josh Hawley, uh, calls by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to rein in the press to eliminate misinformation, uh, calls by uh, Joyce Joy Reid of CNN for debathification. Um, Demands for denunciation, calls to censor, calls to deplatform, demands that uh, for for preemptive uh, denunciation of particular political standpoints. All of these things are very, very familiar to us. Um, and those of us who work in the BDS area and those of us who work on college campuses are very, very familiar with this. Uh, because this is the kind of atmosphere that characterizes college campuses in particular with respect to Zionism and with respect to to Israel that uh, these are these are things that must be um, denounced and um, removed in order to be admitted into campus culture now I I and I'll, I'll say uh, I'll give a, a mea culpa here last month when I wrote the BDS monitor I was of the opinion that BDS had very much been pushed back to progressive politics and to college campuses. But I think that I was very much wrong and that these events and the reaction to these events on the part of uh, a broad swath of, of American society led by, uh, led by technology corporations, which are oligarchic entities like Amazon, Apple, Google, uh, Facebook and Twitter, the big five, um, really are uh, going to challenge free speech generally and, uh, and before too long challenge the, uh, 
the issues of BDS in Israel specifically. And we've seen this, uh, we've seen harbingers of this before. We've seen um, elements of this before that uh, campus anti-police um, efforts, which have been widespread all over last, most recently last month at Tufts University, very quickly um, link with BDS and become specifically anti-Israel, alleging that a, a police violence in the United States is, is the result of police training training that American um, police forces receive allegedly um, in Israel. We've seen this in, um, in critical race theory training um, and curricula, um, most recently in, in California, where Jews are lumped in as white people. And, and therefore demanded to, uh, to give up their privilege, um, homogenizing a vast array of minority experiences, including, including Jews, uh, in, in, to create this, this kind of very simplistic, simplistic um, equation of whiteness and um, evil. And we've seen this time, time again with the allegation that uh, Jews are white and whites um, work to uh, to sustain white supremacy, and Israel is implicated directly in this. So I think that we're we're in for uh, contrary again, contrary to what I believed last month. I think we're in for a bit of a ride. I don't want to make specific predictions about how this is going to play out at the national political level. The Biden administration thus far has not announced, to my knowledge, um, key appointments in the uh, Education Department and the State Department uh, of, of individuals responsible for dealing with anti-Semitism, uh, dealing with the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition, dealing with civil rights um, suits filed uh, by individuals with the Department of Education. So it's it's a little too soon to say, except that one one thing I did notice is that uh, the Biden administration did promise an executive order revoking the Trump administration's order banning critical race theory training by government entities or government funded entities. And at the same time, a couple of days ago, some lower federal court somewhere had on some grounds or another, um, ban that executive order or overturned rather that executive order as well. So I don't know, I don't have a good feeling um, about, about where some of this is going. And um, so that said, those are, those are sort of the, the general framing remarks about where, where I think America is at as as a culture on some of these issues and how these issues relate very specifically to BDS and, and to and to Israel. The diplomatic uh, on the diplomatic front, I think we have every reason to think that the Biden administration will return to the uh, Obama administration's policies of pressuring Israel to uh, in in all situations to create agreements with the Palestinians and on, on the Iran on the Iran issue. And I want to talk about uh, just a couple examples that specifically relate to BDS that, that came up in the last couple of couple of weeks because I think they're significant and also suggests where we might be going in the in the near term at least. One uh, relates to the rollout of the of the vaccine. As as I'm sure all the listeners are aware um, Israel has been extremely effective in uh, vaccinating large swaths of its population, starting with the elderly and working uh, working their way down down the the age uh, through the ages. I believe today or yesterday, um, anybody over forty can now qualify to to get the vaccine, and it's you know they're vaccinating tens, hundreds of thousands of individuals per day. So not surprisingly, the BDS movement and its supporters um, worldwide, not least of all uh, Rush Representative Rashida um, Khalid, 
have demanded that Israel um, provide vaccines to um, Palestinians living in the Palestinian Authority. This is in direct contravention to the Oslo Accords, which give medical responsibility to the Palestinian authorities for the West Bank and for Gaza, and to the stated desire of the Palestinian Authority, which has repeatedly rejected publicly, rejected uh, the idea of asking Israel to provide vaccines, and which made a separate deal with the Russian government to uh, receive the Russian vaccine. Uh, but this, of course, doesn't stop anybody from claiming that it's Israel's responsibility. And of course, we've seen a number of loud and impassioned claims in, in the pages of The Guardian and other such places. And a recent uh, video or webinar with, again, Rashida Talib saying that it's Israel's responsibility. And the contradiction, of course, is that it's the, it's the BDS movement that wants Israel in other circumstances to be boycotted and, and isolated, that it's demanding that it, it take on this, this responsibility. Um, contradictions not, notwithstanding, I think a more, a more clear-sighted clear uh, decision from the BDS movement came also in the last couple of days with the declaration by the um, by PACB that it was giving up its efforts to pressure the United Arab Emirates to boycott Israel, um, basically acknowledging that it was futile to, to try and pressure this tiny yet fantastically wealthy and influential Gulf Arab nation to boycott Israel and to uh, and that it was it would not be possible to really interrupt this burgeoning relationship which has been characterized by uh, actual actual interest and even affection on the part of both of both parties so in the in the real world one might say the uh, the BDS movement knows when to fold, knows when it's holding a losing hand and, and is giving up. Uh, on the third hand, if we can count that high, there is there was a, a recent report by the Israeli quote unquote human rights group B'Tselem, declaring that Israel is an apartheid state, which was again picked up by. BDS groups and by European commentators and by uh, a variety of, of intellectuals and oops, I'm terribly sorry let me turn that off um, uh, declaring that Israel is an apartheid state and this was a very conveniently timed report uh, these these three these developments together I think are suggestive of, if not a, a, an actual coordinated effort, but rather an opportunity, if nothing else, an opportunistic kind of timing to influence the Biden administration. They know that the Trump administration had no truck with allegations of apartheid and, and that uh, the State Department under uh, Mike um, Pompeo was very adamant in declaring that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, but a group like B'Tselem, which is uh, funded almost exclusively by European countries and, and uh, European NGOs, which are funded by European countries, um, sees, sees the, the change in, in, the, in the weather and uh, and the same with the, with the vaccine allegations. There's this is an opportunistic kind of uh, kind of effort. It's 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 obviously has no basis in in law, but um, it's it works it, it works. And and the third area I think where there is a lot of opportunistic timing at work. Uh, is the opposition to the International Holocaust Remembrance 
alliance um, definition of anti-Semitism, which includes Israel as, as one of the factors or criteria. And we've seen in the last two, three months, a growing effort on the part of uh, European intellectuals and European faculty members, which has been added, which is now spread to the United States to push back against institutions declaring that the this definition would be part of their part of their criteria for understanding anti-semitism on campus and there have been a number of incidents in in the us and, and particularly in britain where faculty members are taking these things up in their faculty senates and writing impassioned letters saying that this uh, the institution adopting this definition impinges on their freedom of speech and academic freedom. And the, this has also spread to the American Jewish community. So last week, the, uh, the uh, Conference of Presidents of major Jewish, major Jewish organizations sent a letter to the uh, incoming Biden administration, uh, which among other things, requested that they they uh, retain the um, higher definition of anti-Semitism as one of their criteria for understanding the problem. And immediately the progressive Israel network, which includes Americans for Peace Now and, and Shomer Tsair and J Street, New Israel Fund, um, Trua, a couple of these things, some of which have explicit uh, BDS stances, some of which like J Street are actually um, maintain a calculated ambiguity on the on the question, um, responded that uh, this is dangerous overreach and it, it, I'll read you the quote, it risks wrongly equating what we may be legitimate activities with anti-Semitism. So they're they're against it. And part of this is, is simply to demonstrate a split in the American Jewish community that uh, left-wing and, and overt anti-Israel activists can then exploit by marginalizing marginalizing groups like the Conference of Presidents and um, traditional enemies like, like APAC. So uh, the timing of this is, again, um, opportunistic. There one administration is going out, new administration is coming in. But it is they all all of these attacks by the BDS movement and its abettors uh, work in concert to to split the American Jewish community, to split Jews from Israel, to split Americans from Israel, to project that American rights and uh, traditions like free speech are under under attack with this definition, even has broad swaths of the American politics and culture and technology have come out explicitly against free speech and have declared those uh, the, the use of free speech as you know, almost tantamount to domestic terrorism. So uh, the upshot is that we're on very new and very strange and rather disturbing ground. And I don't have, I don't know where any of this will go and I don't have a good feeling um, about it. And maybe that's a good place to, to stop. Uh, you know, campus life uh, for students is just now beginning. So we'll have more to say about that the next time we, we get together. So, uh, but maybe this is a good place to stop and, and try and take some some questions from folks and see if we can be helpful well good well thank you as always alex uh for your insights uh which are always very helpful uh, in uh unpacking a lot of these issues uh now so um the floor is now open so of course people anybody who has questions please uh type in your questions or raise your virtual hand and i'll be able to unmute you uh, as we wait for some questions to start coming in, Alex, uh, let me let me start us off, you know, and the kind of a, a segue to uh, your, you know, your last point uh, about the 
the fragmentation which we you know we have dealt with and we have written about uh, as it relates to the Jew the American Jewish community um, yesterday was the marking of Martin Luther King Day uh, there is a great deal of conversation and uh, hijacking or you know, at least an attempt to kind of take ownership of Jews in civil rights acts and whatnot um, and of course all of that connects to the conversation as far as um, what has happened we've observed over the past few months regarding uh, Black Lives Matter, the legacy of King. Uh, maybe you wanna talk a little bit about you know, Jews and the civil rights movement as it relates to uh, campus and BDS activism and how that plays into the conversation. Uh, there has been a lot of, you know, just from a general observation, conversations in the American Jewish community trying to link um, those, participations and activism that the Jews took place during those years and, and also relate them to the current environment. So I think I think it's maybe it's important to kind of uh, talk and sharpen a little bit what you know how that plays into our conversations relating to BDS anti-Semitism uh, and the the kind of the monopolization of these topics if I'm uh, you know if that makes sense to kind of tackle a little bit of that. Well, um, Martin Luther King Jr. was, um, his legacy is, is um, not, I, I wouldn't say debated at all, but it's very much fought over. And that's one of the, that's one of the unfortunate developments um, of the last 50 years. Jews going back to uh, the, the early parts of the 20th century, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to give some kind of lecture on one leg about, you know, the history of Jews in the civil rights movement necessarily, but there was a, um, by, certainly by the late 40s and, the, and, and it, through the 1950s and into the 60s, there was deep involvement of American Jews and American Jewish movements and, and leading individuals were very passionate because they saw uh, the, 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 the fates of these two communities as being intertwined, um, as having much common ground, and the, the need for mutual support was, was obvious, and the need for, uh, on, on simply moral grounds, the need to, to support the African-American African movement for equal rights as, as being, um, as being a, you know, a, a moral requirement. That said, there, there were always um, voices, particularly on the, the far left of the um, black, black liberation movements, like the Black Panthers, who um, did not like this alliance um, and did not like in practical or or um, or other terms, and as well, you know, the the Nation of Islam never liked this never liked this alliance either. Now the 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 way that Americans fight over the legacy of of Martin Luther King Jr. is is sad. Um, and it's demonstrated, I think, quite, uh, quite, you know, blatantly uh, by what we saw yesterday. Lots of people would, would, uh, you know, selectively quote lines from Martin Luther King's speeches or or letters, saying that to claim that he he was or he wasn't um, a a Zionist or a supporter of Israel or supporter of uh, Arab or Palestinian rights. And, you know, the truth gets, the, the truth has been very much, very much distorted. And at the same time, it's necessary to realize that um, Black Lives Matter movement is functionally and ideologically the descendant of the Black Panthers. Uh, there are uh, several of the same individuals who are who are involved, um, and a, a, a number of the same uh, abettors from the uh, the new left 
of the 19, late 1960s, weather underground in particular, and you can point to Susan Rosenberg, who was a um, member of the weather underground, went to jail for blowing up, uh, trying to blow up the, um, the House of Representatives, was pardoned by Clinton, um, and who is now on the board of a foundation that gives money to Black Lives Matter. So, you know, the, the ascendant, or not the ascendant, the, the most visible, uh, vocal, hostile kinds of elements opposed to Black Jewish reconciliation and, and work uh, and co coexistence, uh, mutual support are, are ascendant. We saw this with the Women's March, which is backed by um, Nation of Islam both ideologically and, and functionally, um, people like Tamika Mallory, um, who has you know, Nation of Islam bodyguards with her, folks like that, which eventually drove its, its Jewish members and, and supporters out. So, uh, so it's, a, it's a sad kind of, um, it's a sad kind of situation that we, that we all find ourselves in. And the the history of of these very important and complex and not always straightforward kinds of movements um, is very poorly very poorly taught, and particularly given the the relentless re-racialization of American society, in some cases resegregation of American society, that's now underway reconciliation and understanding is is uh, i think receding and israel of course is at the is at the I, w I wouldn't say the forefront but it's a it's an issue in in all of this because of allegations over police violence because of allegations about um white privilege in which jews are defined as exclusively as white and privileged and so on. And I, again, I, I'm, not, um, I'm not pleased, I'm not happy. I think we have a long way to go to get through period of um, this period, this current period of, of darkness until some sort of new synthesis that is more historically informed, more, uh, more generous and uh, and peaceful uh, will will emerge. Great, thank you. Um, obviously, a lot to talk about. Very complex topic that you know obviously plays into all of these uh, cultural uh, revolutions and uh, uh, and societal problems that we're seeing today. Uh, so let me jump into some of our questions. Obviously, there, there is a uh, there's a few that are coming in here. Um, apropos your last comment, Alex, I don't know if you wanted to add to this, but you know, so uh, so our first question coming in from our listener uh, Tamara Adler uh, made an observation here that you know uh, BDS Jews were seen as white in the 1930s Germany. They were seen as black. You know, referring to uh, Sandra Gilman's uh, the Jewish body uh, and anti-Semitism has placed Jews in the most hated group in every historical period. So obviously this plays into, uh, you know, your part of your conversations as far as how, uh, how Jews are seen and how they are fragmented and labeled. Uh, I don't know if you want to comment on that or we'll take her next question, you know, before you answer, uh, you know, and then you could, you know, tie it all together. Uh, Tamara also wants to know, is there a connection between BDS uh, and breaking the silence? And maybe you want to, you know, uh, address those two, um, her, her, her observation and her question. Well, I'll just work backwards. Um, Breaking the Silence claims not to be a, a BDS organization. And um, I think, I think um, we can say that maybe opinions vary. Um, with regard to the, the, the larger, the larger question, um, I think, I think this is this is a correct observation. Um, you know, Jew, Jews tend to find themselves um, characterized as the other uh, of of the time, uh, of the of the era, 
And what's, what's interesting about the contemporary situation is that the, you know, the, the, the othering of, of the Jews and the demand for, for Jews to, uh, to conform with, with this program, um, which is vague and undefined with respect to what giving up white privilege means um, and, and what, what white supremacy really means in terms of, in terms of um, power. I think that uh, I think there there is a kind of uh, kind of parallel. Uh, on the other hand, it's it's useful to note and, and and necessary to note that you know there are actual white supremacists in the United States. Um, I don't think we I don't think we know we, we know a lot about them. We know a lot about lots and lots and lots of different groups. What we don't know really is, is anything about how this translates into political, into, into numbers and into political power, except that now the equation has been made by, um, by uh, you know, mainstream commentators, Joy Reid of, of CNN, Any, anybody who voted for Trump is, is by definition a white supremacist. And uh, that's not empirically true, nor is it um, a way to, to make fewer white supremacists by labeling everybody as a white supremacist or a domestic terrorist or a, an extremist. Uh, I think that, I think in all situations that people find, who find themselves in the cultural ascendance and with with access to power and who find their political opponents um, for, for whatever reasons uh, on, on their back heels have the inclination to put their political opponents onto their knees. And that's, and that's where we're, we're at now. And I think Jews are being demanded as they are on campus. And again, I, I want to always make this this connection clear that on campus, if you want to be part of campus life, if you want to participate in organizations, you have to publicly repudiate your your Zionism uh, because that is de facto racism, which is de facto whiteness, and um, and and this is now the situation increasingly writ large. It's, it's still mostly implicit, but it is becoming more explicit um, in, in the progressive movement and in its various manifestations. The Women's March, I think, was a good, a good example of this. I don't think that the, I don't think that white supremacists um, have much time for Jews in the first place. So not really kind of an issue there for, for Jews to make demonstrations of, of which side they're which side they're on. Uh, but I will say that uh, you know that even though we we think we know a lot about all of these white supremacists, there's there are puzzling things that um, that are in otherwise inexplicable. So you know the the site of of, of these kind of this kind of lunatic white fringe group, the Boogaloo Boys, um, protesting alongside Black Lives Matter folks here, here and there is, is very curious. And it doesn't comport, doesn't comport with any of the standard models of, of behavior and, and culture that we are, um, are being encouraged to consume. Things are, much, much, much more co complex than than the the media generally um, represent. And I would say, given the behavior of of the media, simply on the basis of of organizations like CNN demanding that other other news organizations like Newsmax and OAN, whatever those are, um, that they be removed from the internet. 
um, suggests that we are in a, a very disturbed kind of media environment where trust is, is difficult to come by. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, that if you, uh, if you rely on only one news source, whatever it is, it could be CNN, it could be Newsmax, whatever, whatever that is, um, you, you are choosing to be systematically misinformed. If you rely on several, then uh, you can at least tack back and forth and try and create your own picture of what reality is. The only way to, to get a picture of what's going on is to disaggregate, um, disaggregate the sources. And I, I will be the first to admit that this, this way lies madness and you will be you will be on twitter 24 hours a day like some of us like some of us are but otherwise um otherwise you're going to be lied to uh, about bds about israel about what's going on in the country generally so all right and obviously so me... that's yeah i uh, know um i mean and obviously alex that that that's a critical point as far as you know the censorship in comparison to the middle east as far as you know uh, places where internet is uh, censored and confined, you know, talk about, you know, what, what, what legitimate, legitimate news sources are allowed. And here you are, obviously you mentioned it in your remarks about the, um, uh, the oligarchs of Silicon Valley controlling as far as free speech and information and whatnot, as far as sources, uh, within this, um, kind of, uh, cultural censorship that we're seeing as it relates to information, news, and facts. Um, Right. Again, Look, uh, our, our friend um, Tony Badran, who who's been been on these calls, we ha we had a call with him last uh, last fall. Um, he's uh, he's an analyst with uh, FDD, he's an old friend of ours, um, and he's um, he's Lebanese, and he grew up during the Lebanese Civil War. And his observation is, I think, very correct. That what we are approaching now is very much a third world kind of media environment where every group, where every sect, where every position has its own media um, outlet and standpoint and that tribal passions, tr tribes as they are now defined in the American context, the American idiom, um, are rule the day and that understanding what is going on is is becoming more and more difficult simply because there is no uh there's no consensus about reality there's no there's no incentive to create consensus about reality you know i saw a piece the other day why it's it's not only wrong but shamefully wrong morally wrong to compare the uh, the rioting uh on January 6th in Washington with the Black Lives Matter unrest. Well, okay, um, it's, it's uh, apples and oranges at, at a certain level, but one series of 500 separate um, rioting, riots that went on from whenever, May through July, and which caused up to $2 billion in property damage is different from something that went on for five hours and both of these things are are wrong so um we're being we're being gaslit every which way and this is something that's very very familiar to anybody who's dealt with media coverage of israel or the arab israeli or the arab israeli conflict and there are there are serious things to to look at um in in these in these situations, there are serious problems, but the tone of major media coverage for the last 40 plus years from major networks and major newspapers has been to cast Israel as, as the villain, as the, uh, as the Goliath, um, as the oppressor, because it feeds into, larger kinds of uh, simplistic 
simplistic, moralistic frameworks about how the world, how the world works. And unfortunately, uh, this kind of framework has now been extended to absolutely every aspect of, of, of life. Uh, every choice that you make, every, uh, every decision that you, that you make, every, every click or like that you make on Facebook is subject to, subject to interrogation and analysis and defense, and it, uh, and it represents, it is alleged to represent some kind of uh, moral choice that, that puts you on the side of light or the side of darkness. And, yes, indeed. Um, and until we until we find our way out of this, uh, it's it's not going to be good. So, any other questions? Agreed. Yes, we have other questions. Let me let me try to get to them. Um, so uh, Charles Feynman is asking, you know, this uh, kind of shifting gears here. Uh, he's asking about the the woke generation fails to care about Native American Indians as part of being oppressed, uh, and he wants to. You know, you to kind of uh, talk about that, if possible. Well, I, I don't see. Well, actually, I mean, that's true and it's not true. So, I'm trying to remember back. It was about two years ago. There were a series of protests against the construction of, of a pipeline. And the native it was going through some kind of uh, native uh, territory in North Dakota, maybe. And, and I apologize for being being vague on these details. Anyway, who should show up there but um, a group of BDS activists to stand alongside their indigenous indigenous brothers and sisters who are protesting against the depredations inflicted by capitalism and by fossil fuel. This is a yet another example of the endless, relentless, shameless opportunism of the BDS movement. But it also shows how certain kinds of, um, certain kinds of, of uh, causes rise and fall within the, the broader cultural, uh, cultural imagination. I don't know how, how popular uh, or how, uh, how mainstream um, Native American causes are on campus right now. I do know that they habitually these groups habitually sign BDS statements and declarations and vice versa. So there is this, um, there is this unity, uh, at least, at least at the nominal level, but are these, are these, uh, mainstream issues, widespread issues, the way they were in the early 1970s, at the time of, let's say, you know, campus takeovers and and wounded knee and things like that, I don't I don't think so. Lots of in, lots of legitimate indigenous important causes are exploited by the BDS movement, which otherwise has no time for otherwise has no time for these uh, these causes. Fossil fuels, whatever one thinks about uh, the the climate um, about climate change and about uh, the use of of fossil fuels, fossil fuel divestment is a big is a big thing on campus, and it has been for a couple of a couple of years. And the demand is that universities divest from companies uh, that that either own fossil fuel stocks or that actually produce them. And one always, almost always, sees in these long word declarations about how bad oil and gas are, 
one always sees you know, exploitation of indigenous lands and um, corporations and arms sales and Palestinians and Israel and BDS. So uh, the BDS movement insinuates its way into all sorts of all sorts of things. And um, I think now that I, I think now we're 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 going to be on interesting interesting ground again. I, it's it's hard to it's hard to predict. Um, and I'll I'll quote the famous line from from the worst movie ever made, Plan Nine from Outer Space. Everyone wants to know about the future because that's where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. Um, that's a that's a good segue. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good line. Um, Let me try, uh, if, I, if, I, if, if you're, if you're, you know, I'll just keep going off on quoting movies, please. Quoting movies is good. I like that. But uh, let me uh, try to also get to some of what we have a few more coming in with the, and this being cognizant of the time. Let me try to combine, uh, you know, one or two more questions here. Uh, this, you know, jumping uh, virtually across the pond here. Uh, we have a few questions about Europe. So, um, uh, Alvira, uh, who is uh, in, you know, our, our chairperson uh, right in, 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 uh, in, uh, for our German section, uh, you know, is, uh, has a question and is also uh, you know, involved with our SPME at large. Uh, and, uh, and David Miller are, are asking about, so let me start trying to combine the two questions together. So David is asking, you know, uh, going back to your point about the Jewish involvement uh, in BDS at large and pushing back against uh, the IRA definition. He is uh, talking about um, Jewish academics like David Feldman at the Paris Institute, uh, who recently wrote an op-ed about the IRA definition. Uh, and he's, you know, he's asking, is this also a view to change uh, with the uh, US administration or an aspect of deeper anti-Zionism, anti uh, which is David's question. Uh, Alvira is pointing out um, regarding Germany, he was talking about obviously Paris is in the UK. Uh, you know, in Germany, uh, Alvira is noting here that there are uh, individuals from student associations on the left, the ex uh, GDR, um, has issued a statement rejecting the IRA definition, uh, demanding um, what she quotes here uh, Palestine you know, invoking, you know, from the river to the sea, uh, you know, so can you comment uh, on some of those aspects, maybe want to go a little bit deeper into your earlier comments about uh, the Jewish involvement, the IRA definition, and how that plays into, uh, you know, the, the larger BDS strategies of, I would say, you know, the, the fifth column that we're dealing with at large when it comes to uh, BDS. Well, um, I'll make, I'll make two, I'll make two comments that, uh, it's a reciprocal. It's a reciprocal arrangement, and I, I don't want to speak about specific individuals. Um, I because I'm I'm not sufficiently familiar. But um, now and and in the past, one we all there are always Jews who are willing to align themselves for with uh, with opponents of of Israel, opponents of Zionism, opponents of, of Judaism. Um, for a variety of, of reasons for to, to seek out um, respectability within the within their own society for advancement uh, out of ideological conviction and and so on and these that, that's on on one side and there's always demand on the other side from anti-jewish anti-zionist anti-israel uh, anti-Semitic organizations for Jews who uh, who are um, as allies because that gives them a beard that gives them uh, a certain additional amount of credibility and these are these are very old and in fact these are very ancient kinds of phenomenon you go go back to the early history of Christianity go back to the early history of Islam you'll you'll find an assortment of Jews who are very willing to go over to the other side. Um, for, for whatever reasons, and who who gave um, aid and comfort, um, and it's the same. It's the same today, and and disproportion in 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 our society, I think disproportionate 
uh, attention is paid to these to these characters uh, precisely because of their of their novelty by by the media. No, with respect to the to the Pears Institute, I mean I've been following the situation a little bit. Again, I'm not I'm not fully I'm not fully versed, but it's an opportunity for me to to cite what I call um, Jaffe's second law, and that is, and I quote, every Jewish space organization will eventually become anti-Israel precisely as a function of openness, tolerance, diversity, and inattention. Those that won't will be accused of being reactionary, intolerant, right-wing, closed, censorious, and outdated. And this is obviously one of my little take takes takeoffs on Robert Conquest's um, three laws. And and we have uh, we have you know the same kind of situation in American Jewish organizations and um, where uh, where allegations uh, and I perhaps I should not name any specific organizations but where uh, where people take organizations long established organizations in new directions um, for specifically um, opportunistic and political reasons diverting them from their uh, from their original missions or distorting their original missions in in bizarre sorts of ways um, now I'm sorry what was what was Alvaro's question about Germany oh about the GDR yes about well, the GDR. That, uh, that sounds like it's very much in keeping with local tradition that, yes. um, that you know the G, the East Germany had a long tradition of supporting Palestine Liberation Organization, the Palestinian movement, Palestinian terrorism. Uh, it, it radically uh, secularized or, or removed religion from, from German life in, in, in that country, then country. And uh, this tradition, so to speak, has persisted since then. And so it's not, uh, it's not surprising that uh that they should be all you know rah rah about the river to the sea and, right um, and and this is very much a very much a feature of of uh you know secularization in lots of in lots of societies and you know the irony is that the palestinian movement palestinian cause is hardly secular in itself it is you know, very much an Islamic, if not outright Islamist movement. Um, so you have, you know, secular Westerners supporting religious Muslims in their quest to eliminate uh, the Jews. But I guess that's something everybody, they can all agree on. So, right. you know, yay for them. Uh -huh. Exactly. Uh, let me take one more question. I know, so you know, just keeping an eye on the clock here and being sensitive to everybody's time. So I will, uh, I will read our friend Thomas Levy's last question. I left, you know, um, and we'll have that as our last question for today. Uh, again, I apologize in advance. We uh, we do our best to get to everybody, and uh, if you if we don't get to you today, uh, please email us at bdsmonitor at spme.org. Uh, bdsmonitor.spme.org, and we will do our best to also respond uh, in a timely fashion. Uh, so Thomas is asking, um, what strategies can students use to demonstrate that Jews are indeed indigenous people in the land of Israel, uh, and facts that undermine the core positions of the BDS movement? Uh, you know, any um, thoughts on, on that point? Related to your point before about the, the indigenous people and, of course, uh, the, the Native Americans. Well, I think that that's that's a a, a very useful um, very useful point, and one of the reasons why the 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 California ethnic studies curriculum has taken so long to be uh, approved by the Department of Education and signed off by the governor and all this kind of stuff is precisely because organizations, um, particularly of Mizrahi Jews have been very, very vocal in voicing their 
opposition to this, this very bland one-dimensional characterization in the curriculum of Jews as white, as Jews as Ashkenazi. And making sure that students on college campuses um, have access to these resources, know about the, these resources, which come from a variety of, of Jewish groups, is uh, about the, the diversity of, of the Jewish experience and the indigenous character of Jews in, in Israel is extremely important. And this is something that uh, SPME tries to do, tries to help faculty with that groups like Stand With Us do for, uh, for students, and that groups like um, uh, Himena does for Mizrahi Jews, and, and, and there are others. Unfortunately, and the, the irony of this is that it's much less likely to get useful information like this in class. From your professors, if you're a student on a on a campus, um, and I think one thing that everybody can do inside and outside of academia to support students is to encourage, demand, um, monitor the kinds of uh, the kinds of things that students actually are getting in the classroom with respect to. Jewish history, um, the diversity of, of Jewish history in all parts of the world, including the Middle East and, and including in, in Israel itself. And I don't ha have any illusions about the, the ability of, let's say, of alumni to pressure universities um, or the utility of, of alumni giving millions of dollars of money to universities to create Israel studies or Jewish studies programs. I think as often as it's not, these are subverted, you know, hence my, hence the application of my second law. Um, but I think that students, students through organizations like Hillel, through organizations like Stand With Us, through organizations like other Zionist groups that are that are on campus, um, through through advise faculty advisors who may belong to SPME and other groups, should be sending um, sending students to sources of information and so that they can make these make these arguments. And uh, these arguments are. Are being had now, I think, more more so than they have been in in the past. And certainly, this, these are things that I've I've written about. Um, one one notable thing that you know I I wrote for the Begin Sadat Center at Bar Ilan University talks about um, settler colonialism, which is one of the big allegations thrown at Israel as well as the United States and and other Western countries that these are settler colonial societies that have that are intrinsically evil and have displaced indigenous populations well um you know palestinian society is a settler colonial society most palestinians are the descendants of migrants from other other regions and this can be documented over the past thousand years um and and so on and if you want real indige indigeneity um you really have to look at uh, Jewish history and Jewish groups and the Jewish connection going back to um, the biblical period and and before. Not that I necessarily want to make claims on the basis of what it says in the Bible, but um, what we, what we really want is to is to create a, a a modus vivendi with with everybody who lives there to to live um, side by side and not. Um, bug each other in their own political, in their own little political containers, and not try and displace one another. At least that's my, that's my conception of how it should, of how it should go. And having and there are resources out there to provide to students that that help make this, this and and related arguments. So, good. 
Uh, well, obviously, there's there's a lot more to discuss, but I, you know, I, I do want to be cognizant of our time, and I and I want to thank you as always, Alex, uh, for your insights uh, that always are very useful and enlightening. Uh, you know, as far as uh, the environment, the ever the ever uh, evolving environment that we're in, uh, and of course how this uh, impacts uh, our culture, our society, our history, and of course how it impacts campus life. Um, Again, uh, I apologize in advance for, I know there are other questions we did not get to, uh, but we promise if you email us, we will uh, answer them promptly. Uh, we are packed, we have a, uh, a full uh, winter schedule that is getting pretty packed. So uh, be on the lookout for more invites that will be coming. There are going to be um, a few more talks coming along uh, this month and going into February. So we hope you'll be able to join us uh, as well for those talks as well. Uh, I want to thank everybody again for joining us this afternoon. I want to thank Alex, as always, uh, for being with us. And we look forward to seeing you uh, next time. So thank you, everybody. Stay safe and healthy and have a good day. Take care, everybody.